Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. I'm Ivanka Majic. And my name is Michael Forrest. Hello, Michael Forrest. But what are we talking about this week? We're talking about health, how to have it, keep it, what happens when you lose it, how we feel about it, the different ways of thinking about it. I've got okay. various thoughts on the subject. Well, it sounds like it. Well, shall we oh. start? How was your week, Ivanka? My week was uh, very good, I think. Yes. Week well, was you like... were on a, on another podcast. I was. I was moonlighting. On another, I was moonlighting on another podcast, um, which I was quite pleased with. I listened to it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I. It's called Ivanka Meets Stalin. The podcast was The World in Words with Patrick Cox. And it made me think, it made me smile. And, and so it was I enjoy- very enjoyed much it. about you, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I was surprised about how much it was about me. But, uh, but you know, I'm beginning, to, I'm beginning to accept that I enjoy speaking to recordings. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that I enjoy being recorded while speaking. That I enjoy broadcasting my opinions. And I'm willing to defend my opinions. How about that? Yeah, good. Well, I've 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 known that about myself for a while, but uh, I've never I've always tried to be very sort of cagey about being explicit about anything. So that's why this podcast is a lovely change for me. I just say stuff in words and try and explain it rather than embedding it into a line of a song somewhere and expecting anyone to realise what it means. Like, and some of these views need quite a lot of explanation. So, you know. <laughs> Long-form speech-based medium seems to be uh, seems to be the way forward. How was your week? How was my week? Thanks for asking. I, uh, <laughs> I I've had I've just been working a lot, but I've been hanging out with the um, with the client this week in a multi-billionaire's penthouse on uh, on in Kensington, which was very nice. Um, I described it as uh, beyond aspirational. <laughs> So you've gone up from billionaire to multi-billionaire. Yeah, well, still South African, but like, there's a picture of this guy with uh, Robert De Niro, Muhammad Ali, and Nelson Mandela, just <laughs> hanging out. So uh, you know, it's pretty cool. That is um, pretty cool. And it sort of all went very smoothly. I presented to lots of people who have uh, lots of opinions, and I also had a real like several hour induction into the intricacies of the blockchain and bitcoin as well so i'm feeling more or less like i can i understand it and almost like maybe i could explain it although finding a straightforward way to explain it seems i was saying to the guy like the expert oh, can we just have like he says oh this is usually a three-day course and i said well can we just have like the 20 minute version and then he sort of got into it and he sort of was rushing through his thing and then like by about two hours in i was like i'm really sorry i I there is no I suggested version. that you would be able to do that in twenty minutes <laughs> because it was it's a lot um, it's it's an awful lot but I also you know uh, saw some very interesting stuff about something that I thought would be a barrier to sort of growth for Bitcoin being it's kind of it's a bit slow so you actually do have to wait kind of half an hour to be sure that the other that you've actually spent the money 
which in a coffee shop is perhaps a little impractical. <laughs> but it's 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 got it's got some interesting things that work within so they're coming up with clever ideas of what you can do without having to hit the blockchain every time so you could have like instant payments and 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 that sounds like it can really grow anyway so i learned a lot about bitcoin this week i i was pleased i successfully did some work and also had my video shoot last week which went very well it was it was quite um i'm looking forward i'm actually really looking forward to uh editing that up and sharing that with everyone because i i I made a i made an alien that when you hold its hands it sort of glows and depending on which hand it glows sort of good or evil (laughs) thinking about health so what are the components of health um that's longevity there's quality yes. of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that There's that feeling good and not feeling bad, I suppose, thing. Yeah. I think there's the sort of physical health and mental health, which I don't yes, think are yeah. indistinguishable for, for me personally. Mm. When I'm mentally unwell, I inevitably am physically unwell, hence things like hives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh i think i i think there is a the the i don't know if this is true of the entire balkans but certainly the herzegovina bit of the balkans have a very um well as long as everyone's healthy kind of thing Mm. um and my father was very big on as long as you're healthy you can deal with problems in life but once you've lost your health you're a bit screwed um Mm. Which I think is true. And sometimes I think I just, because you feel, I feel healthy now, I'm going to, I sort of think I'm going to be healthy forever. But there's always that, you know, if it just caught you out. You have one, uh, one one, one experience where you forget you ate some beetroot and it can all come, (laughs) go crumbling away. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die today. There is that thing as well about <laughs> invincibility that you that I certainly had, or and I'm sure many of us do, uh, when we're young, smoking, drinking, doing mm. all sorts of things. Yes, I am invincible. I can lift things. I can run places. I can do everything. And then, so for me, my wake up call to the fact that I was not invincible was my back going very wrong in when I was 33. <sighs> So, uh, what happened? But, Did it, was it something preventable or was it, you know? Well, that's debatable. I had a couple of uh, uh, protruding discs that gave me very bad sciatica and numbness in one of my legs. And so, on my 33rd birthday, the, the, I was talking to a neurosurgeon who said, uh, basically, you've got to try and stay away from me for as long as possible. <laughs> So <laughs> go and do, you know, go and do, don't run loads. Don't lift anything heavier than 15 kilos. Uh, do things like Pilates and yoga and don't get fat. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, then you should be able to stay mobile. It's all about mobility and an absence of pain. Hmm. I had a housemate when I, who probably in his sort of um, late 20s, early 30s, um, put his back out. 
by trying to uh, drill a hole with one of those kind of cordless screwdrivers and Mm. just kind of like just did something wrong and just had a bad back forever. And I've always been like, I just always kind of paranoid that I'm just going to just don't do that thing where you just because then you've just got a bad back forever. Right. That's it. It's all over. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite all over, Michael. Okay. Um, I've I've always been fitting. There's a couple of things about the bad back situation. Mm. So there is a lot of prevention and looking after yourself that you can do. I, in my experience, you know, when you hear people going on about their bad backs um, and yet they remain overweight and they still don't walk anywhere and mm. those kind of things, it's a little bit, I find it just a little bit difficult to be very sympathetic. <laughs> um, like, come on, you've got to help yourself a little bit here. Um, equally, what happens now to me when my back does quote unquote go? Uh, which basically means goes into spasm and I can't really walk and the pain makes me almost have a panic attack. <laughs> but the uh, uh, but I kind of know how to get out of it now. I know okay. what what exercises I need to do. I know what I what the approach to take, what drugs I should take, um, why I mm-hmm. need to take sort of for example strong painkillers because I can get back to normal in a couple of days mm-hmm. uh, by taking nice. strong painkillers and not just walking around like Groucho Marx, crying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem about acute pain is that in the moment when you're experiencing, in the moment when I experience acute pain, there's this, oh my God, it's never going to go. This Mm. is now my life. Will it go? Am I, how am I going to cut? And that's what creates the like, (gasps) it makes the psychology of it harder. So yeah. would you say this has been your most intense source of the pain, in pain-wise? Like, is that the worst thing you've had? Uh, yes, it would be my back. And that's, um, and I have given birth to a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but that's, uh, that's where I think you can't distinguish, you can't separate mental from physical. Because mm. in the in the subject... On on the subject of pain and childbirth, it is so such a different experience mm-hmm. that a you know has an end. Yeah. At some point, you're gonna have a baby, and then it's gonna be over. Yeah. And so it has an end. So psychologically, it's a very very different experience of pain, mm. and it your body is just you you know your nature's made it so it floods you with some 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 feel good stuff <laughs> at the same time but having debilitating physical pain due to some sort of injury or your body just not doing what you want it to do or think it should do that mm. psychologically is much harder to deal with and accepting that you can't some things you just can't do anymore mm. like There's, and yeah like pain isn't doesn't exist independently of what the meaning of that pain is or you imagine it is it's sort of like a sudden small pain that you can't explain is much worse than a kind of oh I know well like you know you eat a chili and you're sort of like this hurts a lot but I know it's fine so it's a completely different thing to you know I don't know what's going on and it hurts well I was gonna say my my worst pain um (laughs) yeah so this is another sort of like problematic early experience but uh, do i i kind of want to say it on the podcast but like you might have to i don't know it's not the easiest thing to hear about but i had um 
uh, when I was like seven years old, I, I experienced a testicular torsion. Oh, what which is, is that? Which manifests as, oh, it's, uh, it's a bit achy down there. Like I've just been sort of kicked, you know. Oh, it's getting more intense. Oh, my God, it's not stopping getting more intense. Oh, my God, I'm crying for my life for half an hour, an hour as I'm kind of rushed to a, you know, a doctor. Um, yeah, just absolutely just, just, I, you don't know what's going on. And it just, I, 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 I can't even describe it. Um, and that happened to me on sort of like two consecutive bonfire nights. So like it happened once and then we sort of went in and then like it happened again the next year. And uh, yeah, I had to have the sort of operation and to kind of like kind of stop. It. So basically what's happening is um, it's twisting around on its wire and just gradually twisting around more and more and oh. just kind of increasing this pain. It's, that's probably not something people want to listen to. So <laughs> I, I promise I'll stop kind of trying to make you imagine it now. But yeah, that was uh, that. That's another like, okay, I cannot control anything. Anything horrible can happen at any moment. Experience, uh, you know, I didn't fall over. I didn't do anything. It just like suddenly I'm being subjected to like the most horrible pain in the world, and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't even talk. Like, um, but it was quite nice that I at least got a bit of attention. You know. <laughs> yes. Oh, you are so needy. <laughs> well, no, because I didn't. I didn't get any special treatment ever. So, you know, I, you know, it was the one time, you know, I was in hospital and had this thing that I actually got, sort of bought some, like a fizzy drink and brought some books and not every, all of my siblings had to be bought an identical value of books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, equality is always a bit of a pain, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's why I want to be special now. Like, I, I don't want to have the same as six other people. I want me just to have me, something for me mine. and not anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the neck and shoulder thing I had last week, which I still have a bit, but it's not as bad. That's pretty, the, the actual, um, it's the first time in a long time I've not been able to breathe my way oh. out of, you know, like when I'm, when it's being manipulated, I was like, oh, that is horrible pain. Mm. I don't know that that implies there's such a thing as good pain, um, sort of the pain of maybe uh, without going too kinky, maybe the pain of exercise. There's lots of people who enjoy pain. Well, it's, it's, I'm I'm constantly in a state of uh, not being able to sit down easily <laughs> recently, but it's from <laughs> pounding at the gym, you know, <laughs> from being pushed by the trainers at the gym, like do this. But then I'm like, ow, hurts to stand up. Which, but they're doing. You know, I trust them to do a good job. Although Chaz has a. She's been in a lot of pain this week because of her sort of shitty yoga class being oversubscribed and she's like in the warm downs did something and was in intense pain and like there's no one even there to, oh, the next class is coming and no one even there to help. So I'm sort of cross about that. Her thing. shitty yoga class. <laughs> well, uh, it sounds like, uh, I, you know, if they're not going to look after you and stop you getting injured, then, you yeah. know, we've got to find a better one. Um Yes. 
you need to sort of trust that person who's training you to you know, not injure you or, you know, that's the worst thing they can do, really. I go through phases of being interested in this, interested, and I've done plenty of yoga. Um, but I do, I am quite particular about the person who's teaching it and what, yeah. not always convinced they really know what's right for a spine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can see that you're very bendy, but I'm not really. And and a lot of, I think, especially women's exercise classes are so much more about being thin than being right. healthy. Mm. They're just, you know, men, much of it is about, you know, how thin is the person? Is she thinner than everybody else? <laughs> Why are you doing this <laughs> to be thin? It's all they want, thin. And it's quite interesting to see this new, there's kind of a new trend going in um, women, like young, younger women, um, about this sort of desire to be strong over thin. But mm. then I've read a few things that suggest that that's just thinness masquerading as strength. <laughs> because there is a difference between not wanting to be overweight, because it is, we all know that it's unhealthy to be overweight, um, and actually striving for some thinness model i saw that yeah. i saw that that article i don't know about um like the the stupid little sort of pink weights that that women use in the gym and like just about you know you'll kind of use this because i don't want to get too big and then they'll go and sort of like pick up a push chair and like kind of do all this stuff and it's like <laughs> and there's no such thing as like you're gonna get too big but so just like having these pointless uh pointless sort of women's exercise equipment <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. i am um, i watched last night that uh, there's, there's a bbc documentary guy that oh no i can't remember his name dr something who did dr. he does something he <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, well done. laughs> does he does the, the truth about and then he did there was the truth about fitness I watched last night and they did mm. they did various studies and this is what reminded me because they were taught they did a study where they had women um lift a very lightweight and a very heavy weight with you know left arm right arm were doing mm. different size weights and the idea they had to repeat these exercises to fatigue on each side arm and leg yeah. and after a six-week period uh both limbs had gained equally in strength <laughs> okay um, because the point is to go to fatigue. It's not about how right. much weight you're lifting. And so mm. the ones that did the... Uh, so there was no difference in strength gained, but all the women were like, no, I want to lift the heavier ones because it's faster. Because yeah. lifting a light weight for ages, yeah, you're, you're just... Yeah, boring. So, you know, if we talk about longevity um, and we talk about technology, well, this thing you said about it kind of comes back to my sort of nanotech thing, which was, you know, I'll just fix it with technology later. Um, so I just used to smoke a lot, I used to drink a lot, I used to just, you know, that invincibility thing. I was just like, well, it will just get fixed later. It'll be fine. I'll be kind of in an eternal state of like my ideal age once we just figure that out. When I quit 
drinking was probably the biggest thing ever for my health. Like, I think so many problems that so many health problems can in so many people I know, I feel like just kind of stem back to to that alcohol and maybe not realizing that it's a bit addictive and that it's kind of having knock on effects. If someone's not going to make it into the gym, it's drinking. If someone's going to eat gross stuff, I, I, I always think like with drinking, it's not the alcohol's got calories and this and that, but also it just makes you want like a bacon sandwich really hard. <laughs> Bag of chips sh- on the way Fried home. chicken, yeah, just oh, never. I just used to eat so much fried chicken, it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Once went to the fried chicken shop at seven in the morning. Have you ever had the last of the lukewarm fried chicken at seven in the morning? <laughs> it's not nice. I think I, that's what I think I, I mean when I talk about invincibility as well. Yeah. Like I thought, because when you are young, it's like, so when you have a brand new baby and they maybe scratch themselves with their, with their nail or something, you can almost watch the wound heal. It heals right. well. so fast because they're, they're just growing and developing at such a sp- pace. And even, even now I can notice that she's basically three, that there's, you know, a scab lasts a little bit longer than it did. It's quite mm. funny how the, the human body's, how it is, how it works. It's nice having a child because you've got this little, you've, you've got an in-house documentary. A so, science lab. Watching it develop. Um, but the, uh, when you're a teenager, something hurts, it gets, you get better quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that contributes massively to uh, hangovers. Yeah. You know, what hangover? <laughs> and all these things where as you get older like mm, yeah it's taking a little bit longer to recover from that it's taking a little bit longer to lose that extra weight it's taking a little bit and so I think the invincibility thing for me is about looking after myself I do for me the quality of life yes longevity you know I had a child when I was 40 I want to be around for a while if I can um, mm. but I want to be around in a way that's active and not in pain and yeah. not some doddery old lady who you know then becomes a, a burden <laughs> so, um, so it's that sort of you know I think I have a duty to myself as well to stay as healthy as I can but I think one thing that's different between you and me is that I I don't not drink and I don't not eat chips. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I have a slightly... I had chips yesterday. Okay, all right. I know you eat chips. <laughs> I'm not judging Carrot you. Carrot chips, your, But were they? Yeah, from Iceland. <laughs> with some sort of crispy coating on. Sharon's a bad influence on my eating some. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, we, sometimes we go for... I mean, it's it's sort of like kind of healthy, but sort of not really... But, uh, I think yeah, I'm a bit more eighty twenty than perhaps you are. You know, I don't smoke anymore. I haven't for quite some years now. Um, mm. But probably if I didn't have such an addictive personality where if I smoke, I want to smoke 20 a day. I probably That's not an addictive personality. That's just cigarettes. Oh. That's just what they do. That's Is that what you they have do? One, yeah, well, I know create... quite a few people who have one. And yeah, and, but then they'll never they'll never have less than well we can get into the smoking <laughs> so i am i am from the alan carr i will link to the the books because they've been very helpful in my life even though i think partly because they're sort of written by someone that reminds me of my grandpa so it sort of doesn't sort of feel 
kind of it feels like it's coming from a place that i i grew up respecting right, so it's right, like right. a guy that used to drink a lot used to do a lot of things but um you know cigarette like uh, these addictive things there's there's not an addictive personality it's just a, a cigarette the first cigarette wasn't nice but then it set up a need for the next one as it the chemical withdrew and it made you feel uncomfortable and it's just every single subsequent cigarette is just relieving the previous one and so that will only get more intense as you kind of develop more of a tolerance and it's actually like it was when I realized that kind of alcohol was doing that a little bit with me that I thought "Ah, okay yeah let's have a look at this let's see although his book on that is how to control alcohol because I think if it was called how to quit alcohol no one would ever pick it up um but it's just it's just easier to go cold turkey than it is to sort of like cut down or like do it a little bit it's just easier to just sort of not do something especially when it's setting up that kind of withdrawal cycle it's interesting the idea that controlling is harder work than cutting out how much can i you know it's much easier to answer the question in a binary shall i have a drink yes or no than how many drinks shall i have one and a half well it's a special occasion i'll have five uh i get that i've not thought about it that way what i have not ever discussed with you is how based on all your Investigations. (laughs) Investigations. <laughs> How addictive is alcohol versus cigarettes? I mean, it's, it's much lower level, but it is ultimately... That, like, I read this book that's talking about how alcohol essentially, for everyone, functions as a sort of addictive thing. It, and it's, it's only real benefit, if you can call, that that, call it that, is that it reduces fear, which is sort of like has some strengths, but unfortunately it also so, reduces your ability to kind of perform. So, so the Dutch courage thing is factual. Yeah, like it reduces your anxieties, it reduces your worries about things, but at the same time it reduces your ability to actually deal with something. So, you're, you know, if someone pissed comes up to you in a bar, it's like, okay, you're brave enough to do that, but you're also kind of useless to me right now <laughs> because you can hardly speak. Um <laughs> But yeah, like alcohol is in implicitly yeah we it's sad. I I find it very upsetting that we train our children from a young age to develop a tolerance to alcohol. Like socially, it's something that's all, like mandated culturally. Like here is this poisonous addictive substance. Now keep drinking it and being sick until you develop enough of a tolerance that you can kind of get through that and then just kind of enjoy this this relief it gives you from its own effects like a week later and it's you know it can be slow like but the fact that you fancy a pint a week after you last had a pint is still that withdrawal cycle to some extent and yeah but i don't like i don't like trying to preach to people about like quitting addictions because it has to come from inside you you have to be ready and probably but i do believe that like cold turkey is absolutely so much easier than trying to control or cut down these things um especially if you can kind of convince yourself that it doesn't actually have any positive things to it at all and you can see that like i see that glass of wine I'd like a glass of wine with food once in a while. Like Alan Carr does a lot to kind of try and break that one down because it's the most insidious one. And once you're kind of having the glass of wine, now that's kind of like a gateway to, oh, I might have a beer tonight, you know. If, but if you can get rid of the least offensive sounding one, then it's just everything else is just easy. Sorry. Blimey. <laughs> I mean, I'm very opinionated on this, and it's, I mean, it's just helped me. I, I swear, I gained five years back of my life when I quit drinking. If anyone wants to, that's the other thing with addiction and think like smoking is like you by not doing something, you can get more healthy. 
Well, that's brilliant. <laughs> win win like it's cheaper and you don't have to do anything so just by not drinking i'm suddenly like five years younger and uh you know it just made me more much more aware of my own health and my body and like it just made me look into how i can eat more healthily and how i can do other things and start optimizing which i never felt in a position to do when i was sort of like most nights would be having a beer or something For me, I find it very mm. difficult not to sound judgmental when I'm talking about health. I think I feel like I take responsibility for my health and I find it difficult when people don't take responsibility for their own health. I then find it difficult to be sympathetic. Well, what are some of the biggest, like to me, addiction is a core part of some of the biggest problems with health at the moment. And it's um, sugar. It's the sugar industry is this huge problem. Um, which is sort of still kind of getting by under the radar a little bit, um, which, you know, there's there's a great talk by uh, which I can link to um, by someone whose name I shall say here. Robert Lustig. Who basically breaks, talks, it's, talks about like in the 80s, 70s, we all decided that saturated fat was the enemy. We kind of demonized that and kind of, and actually people did, stop eating so much saturated fat that's what happened like everything is marketed as low fat this thing. you know like yeah, yeah, we yeah. did cut down so why is obesity in america at like epidemic levels it's because of the sh sugar like which actually when you look at it is immensely more damaging than um than fat ever was and uh, but they they were literally a conspiracy to sort of like you know they kind of threw f saturated fat as like a sacrificial lamb and so that the sugar industry could keep doing what it was doing and if you're not even aware that like they're setting up a like sugar has got such a kind of short withdrawal cycle you just want to keep eating it's really hard to stop and I find it really hard if if I've sort of got into the habit every day of having something sweet it's really hard to get out of that habit you really feel deprived if you don't get to have a cake the next lunch but if you just actually like leave it another day you're kind of I'm, well I'm kind of fine I really think it needs to be addressed as a as an addiction and these people need to be aware that that sugar is at the core of it really a lot of the time but I one of the things I think about in the context of sugar and healthy eating because um I'm a bit of a moderate when it comes to, mm -hmm. to healthy eating I, I I eat everything but I mostly eat vegetables <laughs> it's like a, but I but I do eat everything there's nothing is off my list particularly and uh, one of the things though I think about in the context of sugar more so than anything else is that I present cake to myself as some sort of reward or treat and that's the language oh should we have a okay. treat why have I associated something that is so bad for me as some sort of like congratulations you have you know whatever you've done because or whatever you know it makes so your brain go ooh, you know it gives you a thing <laughs> but the, when you have to watch out when you have to really watch something and i'm pointing 
<laughs> you pointing. The stuff you really have to watch is when you do the same thing as a treat as you do when you're feeling bad. So I feel Ooh. miserable. I'm going to eat some cake. I'm going to have a cigarette. Oh, I feel really happy. I've just achieved something. I'm going to have some cake. I'm going to have a cigarette. Like it's those things that you've really got to kind of keep an eye on and go, ah, I think perhaps this is just working for itself and not for me. <laughs> That's quite interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's quite cool. I hadn't thought of things like that. Mm. So, so just so, as long as you're not eating cake when you feel bad as well, then, you know, I think that's fine. But yeah. Well, I think I am. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. <laughs> I definitely eat sugary things, both in bad and good contexts. Um, and we all do. We all do. You know, and I, I, I still haven't managed to kick that one. Uh, and I have this again with the child. Like, so she's not had with me certainly at home so she'll quite happily eat uh, just natural yogurt yeah. she doesn't really know fruit yogurt exists <laughs> i haven't introduced it she eats fruit and she eats yogurt but she doesn't eat yogurt that's got sweetened fruit in it because mm. and she eats lots of things that i don't th- you know i don't think i've infected her yet with a with a sweet tooth but i don't deny her sweet things because mm. I I know a few kids, or knew, a few friends that I had whose parents were very, you mustn't eat any chocolate sweets, whatever. And then as soon as they have gained any independence, they're like, ah, I got to eat yeah. all the sugar. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to. Oh, well, we had a very controlled uh, access to sweets, I yeah. guess, when we were young. We got 10p a week pocket money, which is how old I am, imagine. <laughs> when we that had, could still buy you anything. We were only ever allowed two squares of Cadbury's dairy milk. In any sitting. Boring chocolate available. (laughs) Well, that was what was at Granny and Grandpa's house. (laughs) You were not allowed. My grandpa did I tell you my grandpa was a pharmacist and he was very he was very not sugar. Sugar's bad. He was also most pills are bad. Um Mm. but he uh if we had cordial you literally, the our Ibina was the palest pink you've ever seen. It's like, like, it what looked like it, it had waved at the Ribena bottle from a great distance. <laughs> it's like, what? I want Ribena like other people have Ribena. I want purple Ribena, not pale pink Ribena. But yeah, so we, we did our access to sugar was very, and Coca-Cola was like birthday party. Don't even, That's just it. don't even, that Coca-Cola is just <laughs> horrendous. And like, they, do you know why it's, they, 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 you can drink so much of it because, well, you want to keep drinking it because they put loads of salt in it uh, to make you keep being thirsty. That's like one of the main oh, ingredients, really? but they don't even talk about that. And New Coke, and this is going back to this guy's talk, was they upped the salt and then they uh, they changed it by they just wanted to put more salt in to make people drink even more of it and it's absolutely it's Insidious. horrible and i hate that the coca-cola brand is not yet as like you should see it the same way you see like benson and hedges like it's it's the same level um oh. but yeah another thing like those it's it's annoying how those drugs and those addictive things they get the most love when it comes to presentation as well so you go to a cake shop and who doesn't want one of those beautiful things with a thing on it and a cherry and a strawberry and some special cream and it's been made into some little curls and twists and it's all these different colors who doesn't want that but you don't lavish that attention on a on a cucumber <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, I'm a little peanut. 
I think there should be laws around like calorie counts, even just uh, on food. I just can't believe the the hoops they make you jump through, the maths they make you do to try and figure out how much, how many calories are in this packet that you know you're going to oh, eat in one go. Yeah, like, and they always a, need, yeah that anyway. whole portion thing. Ninety nine calories per portion. And then you're looking on the packet for the weight. (laughs) It's like, where's the weight? I can't find the weight. You're telling me this weight and this weight, neither of which is related (laughs) to the actual weight. Like there needs to be an EU law that we will soon be able to ignore (laughs) that says you just got to put how many in the packet on the front. We, if we want to know, if we want to break it up into three portions, we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. So... Well, what else? it sounded like you so had some. You wanted to talk about this sort of alternative stuff. Because <laughs> I've had an unexplained problem, <laughs> and that's its diagnosis, unexplained. And you're like, well, first of all, that bro, I hate that unexplained. Fuck, do you mean by unexplained? And then. Um, but then I'm willing to then in those scenarios, okay, the medicine, you know, science medicine hasn't got far enough into it yeah. to, to have, you know, got further than where I am as far as they're all there, everything they know so far, I've ticked all the boxes, but then there's this bit that they don't know about yet. Um, so in the absence of rather than do nothing, I'm very happy to explore alternatives or, you know, medicines that don't necessarily claim to cure, but claim to look at a problem in a different way, because it's no different to the way I'd apply solving a design problem. It's like, okay, the things that I know already just don't seem to fix this. Let's have a, let's try and sidestep and come up with some different inspiration. What other mental models are there? What other, you know, analogs, what, what, what can we use? Um, yeah, and but, sometimes just putting you in a room and having a bit of theatre and making you feel special for an hour. Like, you know, when's your GP going to do that for you? Never. Yeah. The the word theatre makes makes me smile a bit because I know somebody who's, <laughs> whose uh, wife is an acupuncturist and he, he goes to a... Th- uh, uh, they go to um, a festival every year and he's thinking of doing so, uh, an actual kind of like art installation that... Um, plays on the theatre of alternative therapies, right. but um, but there are there is there is definitely something about the time when you go and see these non non GP people, and that includes a counsellor or a or a psychotherapist, yeah. all these people who are just listening to you and paying attention to you and helping you understand what actually what are you upset about or what yeah. actually hurts. Um, and I value that enormously. Um, and I, you know, I, there's a point at which I don't really care to analyse whether or not the thing is a placebo or not. Doesn't really matter to me. I, yeah. I, I'll, I can suspend my disbelief for a bit. I, I actually do have very little patience for a lot of the kind of Western medical tradition as well. Sometimes it's just so sort of fixated on, you know, hammer away. It's, it's, ne- it's not in the habit of stepping back no. and kind of looking because it hasn't got time for a start but it's, no. it's really kind of become trapped in this corner of. but like I mean also I think I've been very lucky that I haven't really needed very much from it like I've, I've always been pretty healthy I think I've got away with it somehow I've never really had a big hospital emergency I've never had to I've never had some unexplained ailment yeah. Like, I mean, like me- maybe mentally it's been a bit more of a thing, but, um, and 
and I've sort of had to figure that out. But physically, I think I've been pretty lucky. And, but I mean, also, there's this thing with um, that sort of uh, the the medical medicine <laughs> with the <laughs> with the with the pills and the antibiotics. You know, there's a there's been a lot of overprescribing of things like antibiotics. Yes, they do cure mm. a thing, but if you use them for the wrong things, so there's a much much use more, them too much or use them too like, much. You know, Same with anything. In plastic antibiotics, we've sort of got this terrible habit as, of humans who go, "Oh, that works. <laughs> Let's do yeah, that. Just, just see how far <laughs> we can go with it," and you know, then have to pull back. Let's just quickly say vaccinations. All you vaccination skeptics. It was one disproven article. <laughs> Can you stop being so irresponsible and just read up on this properly? Because I'm sick of hearing about more and more people. Sorry, I'm actually yelling. You more are. and more parents like refusing to vaccinate their children. It's like that shit works. And if you stop doing it, you can get away with that because everyone else is. But the more people stop doing it, we're just going to have these uh, terminal infections are just going to come back like they used to be around we 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 cured it and you are standing in the way you, you're going to bring it back because you don't know anything so and that's definitely not going to persuade anyone but like that's no, how angry it makes I, me when i, I see uh, this i have a i i do have i was going to say this was one of the things i promised myself i would get in there i have vaccinated my child against everything that i can possibly vaccinate her against well, including paying some extra for things that i just think that because the nhs doesn't offer them for free but other countries yeah. do i'm like yep yeah, she can have that as well because that is uh to me that is a very and i did ha i do have this i did i know lots of people i do see alternative therapists and i do engage at a light level occasionally with a debate about with the, with an anti-vaxxer <laughs> you know who you are but i do it in a and I, ugh, I so for example i personally cannot make rubella antibodies so and if so i've had loads of vaccines in fact <laughs> i've had right. the mmr loads of times mm -hmm. um, in an attempt to get rubella antibodies because if you get rubella when you're pregnant your child will undoubtedly be born with severe problems um mm. but as i can't make those antibodies one of the things i was terrified of when pregnant was that there would be a rubella outbreak because there are so many people who don't vaccinate their children yeah. and that my unborn child would be damaged because herd immunity had been lost. Mm. You do not see anyone being anti-vaccine that isn't coming from a place of utter privilege in my experience. Yeah. And, and that, that is poisonous and you're killing people. You're yeah. killing children. It's like, it's like, you know, who? but maybe this is how the planet gets saved. Well, um, maybe. <laughs> Darwin. We, we I was also yeah. going to say, like, I did, yeah, I saw a recent, like, another TED talk about, like, longevity. And, like, the second thing for longevity improvements is flu vaccines. I haven't had any flu vaccines, but, yeah, like, you can plot this on a graph. You want to live longer, have the vaccines. Like, at you what age? Because on that subject, I, I had... I think uh, older, yeah. I was going to check that because, you know, there's all these, been all these conversations about... I haven't looked it up because I, you know, I had the flu vaccine when I was pregnant and my child has had the flu vaccine now that she's old enough to have it. Um, but I uh, didn't think I was of an age that needed it. But then I listened to some 
Australian medic being interviewed talking about how some very healthy young people died of in the in the Australian flu outbreak last year. So I was like, oh, should I have mm. had the flu vaccine? Also, being self-employed, I don't have time to be ill. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> maybe I should do that. But yes, so the... Yeah, the... that's true. That was something I, I noticed in an office. Like, I was in this office and I was like, there's a lot of lemsips around this day. And, like, the other contractor was like, yeah, well, we're all contractors. So we just... <laughs> they just know, keep gonna, coming in. <laughs> power through it. <laughs> another dimension to the argument i uh, was speaking a couple of weeks ago to somebody who wanted wants to create a tool uh, and a body of work around uh, sort of collecting evidence from defined studies to explore whether some of these alternative therapies work on a particular thing so pick okay. pick a, a symptom an illness do a controlled study, report back. Because there are mm. lots of these alternative things that just don't get researched in the same yeah, way that, that really... pills do. Yeah, well, they haven't been, they haven't grown out of scientific research. No. That doesn't mean that if you scientifically research them, you wouldn't find some benefits. No. So, and it's things like, you know, herbs, for example. A lot of medicines are made out of herbs, you know, or sort mm. of like some active ingredient within a herb. So, um, and one of the reasons I think I've grown up quite open to these alternative things is because certainly, you know, the, the, the uh my heads are going a lot they're very big on you know sage tea if you've got a sore throat gargle with that which apparently has antiseptic properties or peppermint mm. tea if you've got you know your your tummy's upset or chamomile tea if you're not you don't yeah. know you know so the a lot of these herbs um have been around and been used to to help you yeah. deal with the symptoms of not feeling very well i've got a list here of um the top like 10 factors in longevity oh yeah Maybe we can finish on this. Go on. So Susan Pinker's uh, TED Talk, um, and I blogged about this one because it was very interesting. Um, down the bottom is clean air. Um, the next one is hypertension something. I don't know what that is. We'll have to go and look. High blood the pressure. Next, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Lean versus overweight. Like if you're not overweight, you're going to do better. Exercise. These are predictors of longevity. Then exercise, cardiac rehab, flu vaccine. Then above that is quitting drinking. Above that is quitting smoking. And then above that is close relationships. And above that is social integration. So, so social, social integration, integration is number one. Yep, in, in longevity. So in fact, like I have been trying to engage in small talk more because now I'm like, okay, every five minutes I spend talking about nothing is actually adding 10 minutes to my life. <laughs> oh you weirdo well you know it's a way of looking at it but i mean isn't that like that's something right like if you just look at it that's 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 them's the facts guys apparently like them's the facts apparently social integration so that's what i didn't realize that because i what i do know for example is that loneliness is a massive problem yeah. in a urban society what was above what did you say clean air what was above clean air 
hypertension. Oh, hypertension. Something. Hypertension RX. It says I need to. I okay. can't remember what but I the was, um, but the uh, so for example, last there's a there's a charity in Brighton called Impetus. I don't know if they they have branches elsewhere, but uh, who last Christmas, um, they had a drive to get people to. Like they run a befriending service because in a city of I think we're two hundred and seventy thousand people. Mm. Last Christmas, forty thousand people would be lonely at Christmas. Yeah, that's a big number. Yeah, and that's and as you're getting older as well. It's getting worse. Probably, and it, you know, it's not. It's that sort of loneliness and social isolation thing that is yeah. just so unhealthy and unhelpful. So, whether yeah. you're just going to meet up with people. And discuss, argue over things like Brexit, vaccinations. <laughs> These are all still good social interactions. And you should go out yes. and I mean, whether you agree or disagree. Yeah. Don't let people make you so angry that you don't talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah. what does she say about people who go, like to go around their friend's house for a fag? <laughs> well, then we're, it's, I mean, life, real life is very complicated, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Like, real life is more complicated than lists. Damn it. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> But I had a bit of a in in on reflection. Oh yeah. Thing. That bit last week, whereas like, can you think of anyone you consider su- successful that isn't very rich? Has been playing on my mind, and I'm not sure I actually really can. And even if it's people, even if it's a musician, that um, just the fact that they're making money as just the fact they're making their living from music is you know still comes back to money and that's why i consider them successful i i don't like that i don't seem to be able to think of anyone successful that isn't rich and maybe i do want to be rich Uh, i also felt that we could put more effort into having a list of people who aren't rich but are successful (laughs) you don't hear about them do you work on it work on it no because like everyone goes oh well look at you 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 that's how you figure it out, isn't it? Like, Rich people can afford PR. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should start a PR firm for people who aren't rich but are successful. <laughs> what I right. what, what my on reflection to make them rich. Yeah, <laughs> my on reflection thing, if anything, was this whole thing that everything we talk about is in some way related. You know, we've kind of right. gone for these grand topics, but, you know, we didn't go for them, but we've picked off topics. But if anyone, if any one of them is completely out of kilter in your life, then none of the others feel good. Mm. You know, if your definition of success is a bit, you know, your def- if you're not meeting your definition of success, it's very hard to be happy. If you've, mm. you know, got... um uh, you know, if you've got bad technology, if you're you worried about, you know, if you've got bad money, you know, it's like it's like a, this kind of um, trying to keep everything in balance is is hard work. There are two news items today that relate closely politics and technology. One news item today was that there is basically um, alt right 
hate content rises on the internet faster because political policy is about removing Islamic hate content. So Islamist hate content gets removed from the internet at a far higher rate than alt-right. And alt-right is kind of largely being ignored because it's not on anyone's political radar. Mm. Because at the moment, whilst we, we can all talk about those Islamists that are coming over here and blowing us up... We are not, nobody's going, those alt-right people producing hate content, you know, he's not getting the political currency to be attacked. That's one thing. Another Mm -hmm. thing was that um, study, the NSPCC talking about children's access to technology and their their first run at it, the, the expert. With the, who made the recommendations called Tanya Byron. And she, um, see, I can't remember people's names, but only if they were <laughs> on the news this morning. Um, and I remember of some other TV show, but she made some recommendations and the, the sort of, the suggestion was that they should be um, done on a sort of voluntary basis or a best practice basis. But the conclusion is now that if they're not turned into policy and in, enshrined in law, nobody's going to adhere to these things that, you know, mm. protect our children in this new technology world. So you can't get away from politics. Politics is what influences everything. It influences, you know, whoever's lobbying the politicians is what drives the influence, you know, how you're... But, G- yeah, that's why I always thought the people lobbying were the ones in power. So rather, you know... Well, so yeah. I always looked at it that way. Um, but it just seems like... Yeah. It's yeah, got so screwed up. We but we let's let's not get let's, let's not, not do let's politics version r- two. R- rabbit hole just yet. Um, thanks for listening to our podcast this week. Uh, if you like the podcast, you can find it. You can find our website grandpodcast.com. You can email us hello at grandpodcast, and you can make a bank of very happy by following us at podcast grand on Twitter. That's true. Um, you can find me Ivanka Majic. I am at Ivanka on Twitter. I'm Ivanka blog. So all the music on this thing I made on my own, mostly. So my website's michaelforestmusic.com and you can find me at Michael Forrest on Twitter. Bye bye, bye everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of the uh, ranting I left in, but if I did, then let's get into it on Twitter. I'm not scared. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye bye.